Jules from NZ, a podcast chocker with all things Aotearoa New Zealand and some about me, Jules. Cheer. So, the last episode I left you with a very dramatic sounding promise of what topic I would be covering next. And I didn't want to leave you hanging for too long on that note. So here we go. Let's delve into some true crime Aotearoa style and explain how I helped a serial killer. Treasures from the Vault Kia ora, tēnā koutou katoa. Hello and welcome back to all of you to Jules from NZ. Kei te pehe koutou, how are you all? Kei te pai, I am really good. Today we're going to be talking about one of Aotearoa's convicted serial killers and how it is that I helped them recently. <laughs> Obviously the content that we will be sharing today, the episode has some um, content warnings because it's going to get a bit dark around here. Darker than I think we've ever been before. So warnings such as murder, mental health issues, infant death, miscarriage and suffocation. If they are not things that you can handle listening to, that is completely okay. Just skip this one and I'll see you again soon for those of you who want to delve into the darkest stuff you you psychopaths you no um let's let's do this together so it's january 11th 1980 and megan turner is 11 weeks old her mother lise jane turner who refers to herself constantly as lisa rushed her to the hospital emergency ward in christchurch new zealand because megan had stopped breathing and it wasn't clear why the doctors were, were too late to help and honestly they weren't entirely sure either what had happened they put it down to SIDS or sudden infant death syndrome which can take new babies with no clear reasons why and is a truly truly horrific thing on January 31st 1982 Lisa had her second daughter with partner Dick Ashley and named her Chaney Louise seven weeks later on March 15th a neighbor visited Lisa and found Chaney dead in her crib, with blood having trickled out onto the blanket from her little mouth. Again, the professionals were too late to help, and no obvious cause of death was found. Sid's again taking the blame for removing another baby from poor Lisa. A terrible fate for a new mother, and Lisa indeed never had any other children, continuing to grieve the ones that she had lost. Friends were supportive and understanding, and when she offered to babysit their children for them, you know, they gladly accepted, happily passing their babies for cuddles to a woman they really just felt for, you know, but Lisa's toxic aura didn't just surround her own children. It stretched much further than that, as Mrs. Packer found out in October 1982. Mrs. Packer left her four-month-old child, Catherine, with Lisa when she went to do some shopping. When she returned, ready to be super grateful for the brief reprieve, she found Catherine vomiting and bleeding from the mouth. She rushed Catherine to hospital where experts saved her life, a near miss, and surely not poor Lisa's fault. As Catherine continued to have these fits of bleeding and vomiting every now and then, but always recovering afterwards, Mrs. Packer finally put the pieces together but only with the help of her daughter's pure terror. 
Lisa came with her as the devoted caring friend on one of these many trips to the hospital that happened. And when Catherine saw Lisa after recovering from her latest bout, she cried and screamed and cowered backwards in her bed. And after that, Lisa was banned from the Packer household, but no charges were filed. After all, no one died, right? I mean, that they knew of at this point. But Lisa wasn't bothered by this or put off. There was always more children. She actually was looking for jobs in childcare. And people trusted this poor grieving mother. Why wouldn't they? She triggered their compassion. What could possibly go wrong? Children in her care developed respiratory issues and some very serious, but nobody really connected the dots. And that's how eight-month-old Michael Tinnan died. He was found dead in his cot with sticky fluid seeping from his nose and his mouth. And this time the experts diagnosed asphyxiation as the cause of death, prompting police to reopen other case files and sending waves of absolute horror through the local community as they realized the chilling implications. A lot of the time we never know why people do the things that they do, what's going on in their heads to think that this is the best course of action, but in actual fact in this case there is a psychiatric report which refers to a woman as M from around this time and is clearly referring to Lise. This report lends us some insider knowledge as to what was going on as she talks about why she did it. She tells of 13 miscarriages before conceiving and carrying her first baby, Megan, to full term through a difficult pregnancy and then giving birth. Megan developed respiratory problems and she was absolutely obsessed with the notion that Megan was going to die. She couldn't stand watching her baby suffer, not knowing when it might happen. So she undertook what she believed to be a mercy killing so that she would have control over it and then rushed to the hospital afterwards in distress of what she'd done. She had a psychotic break and was admitted to an institution where they diagnosed her with a severe personality disorder. She was released and decided to have a second child to help keep her man, Dick Ashley. He was apparently wanting to run away with another woman, and this woman had a child, which was apparently one of the babies she attempted to kill. She had no real desire to be a mother this time around, though. Just drinking all day, not dressing or cleaning up the house, and everything was a mess. The 2011 report by psychiatrics Dr. Josephine Stanton and Dr. Sandy Simpson quotes her as saying, This kid screamed from the day she thought it was that she was born to the day she died. I thought, okay, I never ca got caught for, bracket, the first baby's bracket, death. I don't want this child. How am I going to get rid of it, you know? So I smothered it in the same way as I did with, bracket, the first baby, bracket. End of quotation. She refers to smothering other babies as revenge or retaliation, and indeed the report states their findings on why this happened as her, quote, driving need to be with children led her to childcare, but two further attempted murders and the third murder were motivated by revenge and retaliation, end quote. In November 1984, Lisa stood trial in Christchurch High Court, charged with three counts of murder and two counts of attempted murder. Prosecutors also referred to four other attacks, all of unnamed children, making a pretty solid case for repetition of behavior. And although no motive was suggested, it's clearly reminiscent of a serial killer, and thus she was labeled as one once she was convicted. She was sentenced to life imprisonment for the murders and three more five-year sentences for each attempt. In 19... 
97. At the age of 41, she was paroled after only doing 13 years. Free to go after serving her time, but with the conditions of never again being allowed unsupervised contact with children, as you would bloody expect. Her partner Dick had waited for her the whole 13 years and reunited when she got out. I don't know why that piece of information blows my mind so much, but it does. Um, when she was released, Michael's parents, Lori and Calvin Tinnan, stated they felt freeing her was the end of justice for their son, who would have been 13 at the time. He would be 37 now, basically my age, and that is endlessly sad. And she is 65 now, and that's something she told me herself. Something I used to check against when I had a calm moment afterwards, and something I used at the time to remind myself that she can't hurt me. She's too old, and I'm too old, I guess. So I guess now's the time I should explain how I helped, right? Yeah, I know, you've all been hanging out, and I'm a giant tease for making you wait this long. Obviously, I did not help her with the killings. I wasn't even born for the first couple. Um, in fact, it started with a fall. An old woman fell down outside of the store I was working in and started to fit. Customers called out for help and I came running. I was on the phone with an ambulance as the store manager rolled her on her side as she stopped pesming, tried to help her by clearing airways and checking her out for injuries, etc, etc. After telling the officials on the phone where we were and what had happened, I asked the manager if she served her or knew her, if she was answering questions so I could get her name for the people on the phone. The manager looked up at me with big wide eyes as the woman on the ground started turn started speaking. Lisa Turner, she said in a croaky kind of voice. And I stepped away from her instinctively as I looked at the manager, checking what I'd just heard. My eyes were probably just as big as hers as I repeated it, mouthing at the manager, no way, not the Lisa Turner. I'd actually heard about her a few years back in teacher's college when a friend had a fascination with New Zealand serial killers and it stuck with me due to the horror of just, you know, leaving your child with someone you think is safe and someone who went through a bad time and thinking that that is all fine and then just that happening to your children and the guilt and the, um, that you must feel for yourself and, and, you know, the anger that you must feel at her and, Anyway, I snapped back to the situation and looked at this old lady on the ground, sick, in pain, and clearly needing help. I repeated her name and asked more questions as the people on the phone asked me, relaying information and following instructions. 65, said Lisa Turner when I asked her age. Um... The whole time I'm almost in a daze of, it can't be, this stuff doesn't happen in real life. But she starts screaming at some point when she's sort of coming to, realizing what I'm doing, that she doesn't want an ambulance. But she's clearly hurt and she doesn't want to be taken away. But yet that makes sense, but she might need checking, you know, like, and I say to her, that makes sense, but I keep talking on the phone anyway. Her niece finally arrives after ages with this like walking frame and she rushes over. She hears me again repeat the name on the phone. Yes, yes, that's Lisa Turner. And she looks at me with a panicked expression. I reply with a shrug and just keep helping. Eventually the ambulance gets there and she's arguing with them that she's not going anywhere with them as they check her out. So I go to leave, you know. I'm clearly done here in this situation. Her niece actually walks up and introduces herself to say thanks and says that she's grateful her auntie lives here where people, and she pauses. And I can see the breath, breadth of 
you know, just how much isn't being said in this moment. So I filled it. I filled it with, well, she was hurt. Of course we were help. And she nods. And all she replied with was, here they do. Anyway. And I watched her walk back to this woman who is clearly worried about returning to a box and is trying to get up despite her back just not having a bar of this. And I just kind of feel sad, you know, sad for her niece, really. Imagine what that must be like. You know what she did. You clearly don't approve. You clearly have your own sort of, you know, issues with it, but you can't just leave her with no help to like just die by yourself. And I wouldn't have not helped in that moment. I wouldn't have ever have hung up and walked away leaving her there on the ground in the heat of the day to suffer after just having had a seizure. Regardless of what she did, I couldn't have done that. But I can't really imagine what her niece goes through like every day, knowing that's who her auntie is, clearly struggling to get her to do anything um, and having to look after her like that, having to process that whole information. You know, she is a a better person than I am I would probably really struggle with that situation although I do wish she'd keep a better eye on her you know because the store I work for is a clothing store that sells clothes for babies and turning around after that moment and thinking about what had just happened and seeing mothers delightedly picking out new outfits for their tiny beautiful offspring made me shiver in that hot sun a little so that's the story of how I helped a serial killer she was fine, by the way. I saw back a scraped knee. The paramedic came back to say thanks before he left. Um, without her, by the way, she did not get taken away. Um, it was a weird day. And as I sat there thinking about it and processing all of that emotion, it occurred to me that that really is the perfect thing to share with you all. And honestly, I still don't know how to feel about it. Call in and tell me how you feel after listening, and maybe that'll help me figure it out. Uh, personal thanks to my gems, James, Jason, Barry, Laren, KP, Ezekiel, and Joey. I could not do this without you. I say that every week, but I genuinely mean that. Um, the next episode is back to Glitter, exploring some more recent RPG adventures, such as the epic Zealandia Bird Sanctuary and Questbook DM service crossover where we played fantasy in a forest and how magic that was and after that back to Jules from NZ I may have to catch you up on some happenings here in Aotearoa it's been a bit of a time in politics and uh, health and just a lot so it might be another time for a news drop and an insight into our world real time you know um but what I wanted to do before I really get out of here is, again, thank you for listening to, for joining me into this delve into Aotearoa's underbelly. I've really enjoyed getting a little dark with you, and I hope uh, to hear your thoughts on it. But as a reward for making it through, I'm going to switch back into a section I haven't done in, like, an age and bring you a new New Zealand song that you absolutely need to listen to. And this episode I'm bringing straight fire with this banging jam it's called 35 by Kahal which is spelled K-A-H-A-O and I'm pretty sure you can figure out how to spell 35 it's actually spelled with numbers maybe I should mention that the numbers 35 and it already has more than 2 million streams on Spotify and is sitting top of the charts in Aotearoa right now Kahal is a group of 24 young Māori from Te Tarafiti, who have been on a life-changing journey through Waiata, or song. Kahau uh, formed in um, Te Tarafiti, or the Gisborne District, as a project to promote and revitalize Te Reo Māori. The name refers to the proverb, Ka pū te rua, ka 
hau te rangatahi. As the old fishing net is worn, a new one is made. Referring to youth growing up and entering adulthood. So yes, you'll hear a lot of te reo Māori sung along with some English translations and you probably will recognise a few words in there to join in with singing loud. If you're on TikTok, you may recognise the song actually. Many Kiwis and other nations have been dancing along to this feel-good song in their videos. And this tune is a super feel-good song, which makes me feel like summer is here and it's time to roll down the window and drive with the music loud, which is kind of appropriate actually, because the song is a nod to the highway that runs along the east coast and the tribes that form it, the residents, and even mentions a few key stops like Tokomaru for a power pie. See if you can spot that line in the lyrics. The lyrics basically saying about um, how the people are a patchwork, it's an amazing place to catch your breath. More places um, for you all to explore when you eventually get over here, plus they obviously speak Māori better than I do, um, as I halt and stress about the fact that I'm going to get those words wrong. So um, go experience that gorgeous language language in the way that it's supposed to be heard in waiata in song while dancing along if you're on anchor you're going to hear a clip if you're listening on anchor you're going to hear a clip soon otherwise i want you to go down to um the spotify link in my jewels from nz notes click that plot spotify playlist full of kiwi bangers below and head over and listen the new song is at the bottom of the um playlist as it's the latest edition and you absolutely will not regret doing all of those things and following it through you're absolutely welcome <laughs> so okay um, if you are joining, uh, enjoying listening to Jules from NZ, please give the show a review on the platform of your choice. It all helps me. Um, and you can find me on Facebook and Instagram as Jules from NZ. That's J-U-L-Z from NZ because that's my name, not the super clever pun I thought I was doing on the treasures or taonga of, um, New Zealand with Jules from NZ, which is now confusing because now I have to. Anyway, side note. And on Twitter as Jules Bergeser, which is my full name. So that's J-U-L-Z-B-U-R-G-I-S-S-E-R. Make sure you get over there and follow me on Twitter. I talk a lot of crap. Um, you can also find me lurking on Questbook Discord, talking about gaming. You can hear me play D&D 5e on the actual play comedy podcast Fate of Eisen. And Ceratops, and you can book me to run a game for you and your friends through the Questbook DM hire service at www.questbook.nz. So thanks again for listening. Um, I I adore you all, um, and I really should get out of here. So inohora kakiteano aroha nui. Goodbye. See you again soon. Love you lots, and uh, can't wait to share more of Aotearoa with you again soon. Bye. Bye.